John chapter 1. We are, uh, all year we've been talking about the supernatural. We've been talking about, uh, you know, different aspects of the supernatural. And this morning we're going to kind of start getting into some practical things about the supernatural. This, I've kind of been leading up to this, and, I, you know, the Lord just kind of had opened up a couple other things uh, before I got here. But, you know, probably, probably, and, and if, if, I was, if I could sit down with each one of you, and ask you what your greatest frustration is about the Christian life. Um, I would probably probably say probably 99% of you would uh, would probably echo the same thing that I would say, and it would be something similar to this. But it would be something to the effect of, you know, the big one of the biggest frustrations we have, or I have, and and I would say I would say me personally, one of the biggest frustrations. I have with, with, with living a Christian life is that I know what the Word says, I know the promises, I know, I'm, you know, I mean, I have it, I, I understand what the Word says, I see it in black and white, and I see it, and, and I can read it, and I can know it, but I'm not experiencing it to the level I think that I should. Would anybody else agree with me on that? That that's a frustration? Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know, but, but probably, I would think, probably the biggest frustration that most people have is just the fact that it's hard to... Sometimes we feel, now I'm saying this, it's not, it's not hard, but sometimes we feel like it's hard to get things to work. Amen. Or oh me, whichever, I don't know. <laughs> but here's the reality of this. That's not the way God designed it. And that's not really, to be honest with you, that's not the way that our lives, that we should live our lives... Out, the Christian life should not be a frustrating life. It shouldn't be. When, when we study the Word, when you read the Word, when you read the life of Jesus, the Bible, the Bible tells us that He, that Jesus, was our example. The Bible says that when He came, when he came to the earth, and He came and He lived as a man. Now see, this is one of those, this is one of those areas that that you have to renew your mind in this because so many times, you know, uh, I've even caught myself saying it or even thinking it when I read the Word. I see something that Jesus did. I see something that I read it. I hear what He says. And then immediately my thought is, yeah, but that's Jesus. Anybody else have that thought? You know, or yeah, that's Paul. Or that's, you know, that's one of the apostles. You know, that's not me. But here's the reality, and, and this is a huge thing, and some people, some people will argue this with you, but... But the Bible says that when Jesus came to live on the earth, that he laid down his godly attributes. And that when he lived on the earth, that what he did on the earth, he did as a man, not as God. Because if he did it as God, then we would say, well, yeah, Jesus walked on water, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, but he's God. He's part of the Godhead. But the Bible says that he did it as a man. Here's the, here's the thing, because if he did it as God, then we then then that's good that he did it, and that's that's a cool story, but it doesn't help us much. But if he did it as a man, then that tells us that as a man or a woman, I'm, I'm using that that phrase interchangeable there. If he did it as a human, then guess what? It's possible for you and I to do the same things. 
the scripture where Jesus said, the, the very things I do, you can do. Well, if he was God, that wouldn't be a true statement. But he was a man influenced by the Holy Spirit, had the, had the Spirit. Now listen, even Jesus himself, you know, I mean, until Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit did not live on the inside of man. But Jesus had such a relationship with his Father, and I want to show you some scriptures on this this morning that would just, man, that, that's just so freeing. You know, that, that, but if Jesus was able to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit then you and I should be able to, and, and it should be a goal of ours. Now, will we be perfect? No, none of us in here are perfect. But our goal and our, everything that we shoot for, everything that, we, everything that we work for, everything that we strive for, it should be to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. And if I'm more like Jesus, then guess what? I'll see more of the results that Jesus had. But now here's the problem. And here's, here's the issue that a lot of people have. Knowledge that cannot be put into practice will eventually lead to denial of the truth, of that truth. In other words, if I kept, you know, um, if, if I gave you the key to my car, and I told you, man, I drive this car every day. There's nothing wrong with it. And, uh, and, you know, and I give you the key and I say, it's sitting out in the parking lot. You can go drive my car anytime you want to. Well, every time you go to get in the car, you know, you go to get in the car and you, you go to, you know, turn the key and it won't start. You know, you bring the key back in here and hand it to me and say, Pastor, your car won't start. I'll say, well, I'll look at it. So, so then the next day I come, I bring it back to you and say, hey, man, I got my car running. Here's the key. Go start, you know, you can go drive my car. You get in the car, you put the key in, you turn it, it won't start. You know, you do this three or four times, and then guess what you're going to start doing? You're going to start doubting that I know what I'm talking about. You're going to start saying, he, he hadn't even been out there to try that car. You know, he, he's, not running, he's not driving that car, because, you know, because every time I do it, it's not working. So, so knowledge or an experience that you can't put into practice will eventually lead you, to, lead you to believe or to deny the truth of that experience. And how many Christians li are living their life today doubting God because they can't get the, what the Word says to work for them? And I'm going to show you this morning, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to show you hopefully with the Lord's help, we're going to look at some issues or some things, some ways that we can, that we can get the Word to work for us. I don't know about you, but I like that. I like it when the Word works. Right. Amen. So let's look here in John chapter 1. Now listen, now, now this, this is the Christian life. One of the, I would say, one of the biggest issues with people not, uh, not being able to get the, the Word of God to work for them is the fact that people just refuse to renew their mind to what the Word says. I talked to... I've had conversations with about three people this week that um, that kind of that echoed this very problem, this thing, and they they were telling me that uh, one of them actually, one of them actually even told me that that they that they no longer even they no longer even believe in God because they because they never saw anything work. I just read a text this morning from somebody that's struggling with that because they're, they're saying if if God is real. Then man, I, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, who was it, uh, the, 
Oh, help me, Lord. Um, the guy that was threshing wheat, uh, and the angel come to him. Gideon, thank you. I didn't think of that. Gideon. It's kind of like the Gideon complex. Well, if, if he's God, then what's, why's all this problems happening? If, if all this is true, if everything my grandfather said happened, then, then, then I'm sure not seeing it. I'm sure not experiencing it. It's the, it's the Gideon complex. You know, and, and the problem is we're, we're, putting our, we're basing our theology off of experience instead of basing it off what the Word says. And anytime you base your theology off experience, you're setting yourself up for a horrible failure. Because none of us, none of us are experiencing God to the level that He wants us to. And we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to be so low on the totem pole that, man, we're going to miss out on so much of God. If, if, when we set our theology on, on what the Word says, then that's when we can start experiencing more and more of God the way that He wants us to. Amen. So, so as we go through this in the next couple of weeks, you, it may take some renewing of your mind. You may have to go home and study these scriptures and say, man, is this, is this really true? I mean, is it, can it be this good? Because one, one of the things that... Um, Anytime, because what we're talking about today, we're going to start talking about grace. And grace is supernatural because it's all about God. It's not about you at all. It's all about God. One of the things you hear people talk about in, in the, the grace message, and, and I had this conversation with somebody this week about this, is that the grace message, you know, that they, they start talking about hyper grace and about, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, greasy grace, and they call it. They got all kinds of names for it and everything, you know, because they 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 make comments like this. They'll say it just can't be that good. I've never experienced it like that, so therefore it can't be that good. So my question, my response to them was, oh, so you've experienced everything that God that God's ever done? Well, no, that's not what I said. I said, well, well, then why are you basing your belief about grace off of what you've experienced? Well, because that's just, that's just what I believe. I'm like, well, you're believing wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> guess what? Wrong believing will lead to wrong living. When you believe right, when you believe what the Word says, then guess what? It will lead to right living. Amen. <clears throat> John chapter 1. Let's, let's look at here. Let's read a few verses and, and then we'll get into this. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was, in, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So those first five verses basically... Here's, here's what he was setting up in those first five verses. Jesus, in Revelation, the Bible says that another name for him is the Word of God. Here it tells us that Jesus, this is a, this is a definition of Jesus or a, um, you know, a description of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was the Word. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He's part of the Trinity. He's part of, you know, he is, he's the Father, Son, and, and Spirit. So he's, he's giving you a description of Jesus himself here. He says, the same was in the beginning with God. So, so Jesus has been with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In Jesus 
was life, and that life was the light of men. And then verse 5 says, The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So when Jesus came to the earth, we could see that in the fact that when Jesus came to the earth, it didn't comprehend who he was. Jesus even told the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, the, the answer is right in front of you. You search the Scriptures daily, but yet you, st- you can't find me. You know, he told them that. Then he starts talking about a little bit about John, you know, coming to, coming to, uh, to, to tell about Jesus. And well, let's just read that. Verse 6, we'll just read down through here. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he was saying that John, that God sent John just to bear witness. John wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, to, to testify of the light, who was Jesus. And says, And that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He's talking about Jesus here. It says, and he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, now let's, in verse 12 here, here's where, here's where we get into the meat of this. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, that word power really is the privilege or the right, it gave them the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You realize the most radical thing that ever happened to you, I don't care what experiences you've had, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, the most radical thing that has ever happened to you is the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. That was the most radical thing that ever happened to you. Because at that moment, everything on the inside of you became brand new. I mean, it was, there was, and see, and some people, some people, they, they, they have their salvation experience and they think they, you know, they don't put any stock in it. In other words, they think, well, not much happened. I didn't really feel nothing. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't experience this or I didn't experience that. But that was literally the most radical thing that happened to you. Because right here he said this, that as many as received Jesus, to them gave he the power or the privilege to, to literally become the son of God, the sons of God. Why is that? It's because, we, now we've looked at this the last couple of weeks. Why, why could he say that? Because at salvation, what happened at salvation? At salvation, God put you in Christ. And, you know, we, the last three or four weeks, uh, BJ talked about communion last week. Man, wasn't that a good service last week about communion? And, and just, but, uh, you know, but... The, the couple of weeks before that, we've looked at being in Christ. What does in Christ mean? Put, talked about putting off and putting on, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. But, you know, what happened was that God put us in Christ. And the Word tells us that, that when Jesus died on the cross, you and I died with Him. And when God raised Him up from the, from the grave that day, three days later, the Bible says God raised us up with Him. Why? Because God put us in Christ. Well, how could that happen? Because that happened 2,000 years ago. I, you know, man, I, I'm not that old. Well, because, because God, God knows the end from the beginning. Right? 
And with God, there is no time. And everything that God did, he, he did it for all mankind. When Jesus died on the cross, that took care of all sin, that took care of all the judgment, all the, the, the wrath of God, past, present, and future. That's the reason that Jesus don't have to come back on the cross and die for you, because he did it 2,000 years ago. And God counted that as your, as your punishment. And God put you in Christ, and now that you're in Christ, everything that he did, everything that he is, you are now. Amen. Now, we're building this up. We're, I'm, I'm showing you something here. So as many as received him... To them gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So he's talking about a salvation. He's talking about a spiritual salvation, something that happened on the inside of you. You realize when you got born again, um, there may have been some outward manifestations or some outward things that people could tell immediately, but... But the reality of it is, everything that happened to you at that moment happened on the inside. You know, you didn't change, you didn't change the way you looked or the way, you know, your body style or your height or your weight or anything like that. I mean, but what happened to you was on the inside. Now, what happened on the inside, what God's plan is and has always been and, and still is, is for what happened on the inside of you to change what, what happens on the outside. So he said that he's talking about that which was born of God. Now, verse 14, he goes on to say this, And the Word was made flesh, talking about Jesus. Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now notice that. Jesus, when he lived here on the earth, he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Um, Let's put these next couple verses up from the Amplified, if you would. Verse, we'll start with verse 14 here from the Amplified. It says, And the Word, or Christ, became flesh. He became human. And, and it says, And He tabernacled, or He fixed His tent of flesh. He lived a while among us. And we actually saw His glory, His honor, His majesty. Such glory as an only begotten Son receives from His Father, full of grace, favor, and loving kindness, and truth. Verse 15. John testified about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has priority over me, for he was before me. He takes rank above me, for he existed before I did, and he has advanced before me because he is my Christ, or my chief. Verse 16. Now, now check this out. This is incredible. Look at this. For out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, right? Now remember, before we read the rest of it, remember what we said. When you got born again, God put you in Christ. Everything that was in Christ is now in you, and vice versa. What Jesus did, it was, it was accounted to your benefit, to your, to your account. When he died on the cross, you died on the cross. When he rose again, you rose again. You're, God seated him at, at his own right hand in heaven, and the Bible says we're seated in heaven right now. That, I mean, everything that's his is ours. So he said this, now check this out. For out of his fullness, or out of his abundance, we have all received. 
We all had a share and we were all supplied with one grace after another and, and a spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Amen. Now let's read the, verse 17 and then we're going to come back and talk about this. Because verse 17 is important. Because listen to this. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing, and truth. So grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. See, here's what you have to understand. The truth was here before Jesus showed up. Because the law, or God's word, was given through Moses. So when, when Moses came down from the, from the mountain that day and delivered the Ten Commandments, that was truth. The Ten Commandments is not wrong. The Ten Commandments wasn't a bad thing. The Ten Commandments came straight from God. That was truth. Amen? Y'all following me? So truth was here before Jesus showed up. But here's the problem. Something was missing that didn't show up until Jesus showed up. What was it that was missing? It was grace. So what, what, why is grace so important to us? Because what happened when truth came through Moses, man tried to do the truth, tried to keep the truth in their own ability. Man tried to do it in their own strength. Man said, I can do this. I can keep the law. I can, you know, I can live right. I can do the best. I can, I can work hard. I can, you know, man, I can really strive and I can work and I can push and I can, I can make myself do the law. But you know what? Not one person was ever able to keep the whole law. Because God said this, he said that if you if he said if you try to do the if you try to live by the law, you have to live one hundred percent by the law. And if you break one area of the law, you broke the whole law. So it wasn't God doesn't grade, grade on a curve in the old covenant. He doesn't give you a pass just because you tried good. If you missed it, then you broke the whole law. And you were guilty of the whole law. And really, the law, the truth, the, the Bible tells us this, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was given to show man that they could not do it in their own ability. That they, they, in their own strength, man, it was impossible for them to keep God's Word. And it pointed them to the fact that they needed a Savior. They needed somebody. They needed something. They needed, they needed a way to keep the law because in their own ability and in their own strength, they couldn't do it. So what happened, what happened when Jesus came? Now listen, here, let me just say this. When you and I try to keep the Word of God, try to keep the Bible... In our own strength, when we're in the flesh and we, and we don't involve God, remember, we've, we've, this is what we've talked about this whole year, the difference between living in the, in the flesh and living supernaturally, living with God. When we, when we try to do things without God, 
we're putting ourselves back under the law. We're saying, we're telling God, I don't need you in this area of my life. But what we don't realize is when we, when we discount him from one area of our life, we're taking him out of every area. Look at Romans, now look at Romans 11. Hold your place here because I'm coming back to John. But let me just show you this. Romans, Romans chapter, uh, yeah, Romans 11. Because here's one thing that you have to get. This is very important when it's talking about grace. Romans 11.6 says this, and, and we could read all of this, but just for the sake of time, I just want to pull this one verse out. Romans 11.6, and it says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What he's saying there is this. Grace and works do not mix. It's one or the other. It's going to be works or it's going to be grace when it comes to receiving from God and, and trying to keep the law. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, that, that, that is something you have to understand because so much of the time we get back, we get back into this works mentality to where we think we have to do something to please God. But if you're trying to please God by your works, then you've taken grace. You've made grace of none effect. You're telling God you don't need grace that you're doing it in your own ability. Amen. Now, let's turn back to John just for a minute. And let me give you... I probably should have done this to begin with. I've, I've got ahead of myself. Let me give you a definition of grace. Because the... And, and the there's all kinds of definitions of grace. You know, most, most, and even like the Amplified and different translations call it unearned, unearned, unearned mercy or, you know, uh, un, 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 unearned favor. And, and they have all kinds of different definitions. But the best definition I've heard of grace is uh, Jim Richards gave, gave this definition, one of the first books I ever read about grace. And, and I love this because this, it, it makes total sense to me in it, and it just helps me understand grace. But here's the definition of grace, and it's really just it's really one word, but then you expound on it. But grace could be defined as ability. Ability. But here's where it is. Here's, here's how you expand that. Grace is God's ability upon man so that man can do what they were unable to do. Does that make sense? Grace is God's ability. Let me let me make sure I got that said that right. Grace is God's ability working in man, making him able to do what he cannot do in his own ability. Let me say that again. Grace is God's ability working in man, making him able to do what he can't do in his own ability. Now, with that definition, think about John 1, 16 and 17, where it says that, that through Moses, the law was given. That was truth. But man tried with their own ability to live the truth, and they couldn't do it. They broke the law. But when Jesus came, notice what it said, that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what happened was this. When Jesus came, he brought... God's ability 
so that God's ability could be put in man to give us the power to be able to do what we couldn't do by ourselves. Because now, now we have God's help, now we have God's ability to do what we couldn't do. Isn't that good? And see, because what happened, if you remember what happened when Jesus came, what did he do? He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't take the law down a notch. He actually put it higher. Jesus, he made comments like this. He said, he said you know, uh, you said, or the law says, that if, you, that if you sleep with another man's wife, you've committed adultery. He said, but I say that if you even think about doing that, you've already committed adultery. Jesus said the law says that if you kill, if you take the life of, of your brother, you've committed murder. He said, but I say that if you had hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've already committed murder. Man, I mean, Jesus didn't make it easier. He made it almost impossible. Right? But here was the kicker. When Jesus came, even though he, even though he, he ratcheted it up and, and took it up a notch, now when Jesus came, he brought with him the ability to do the law or to do the truth now. How? Because, because now he said this. He said, he said you, you don't have to do it. He said, I'm going to do it for you. All you have to do is to believe. Isn't that what, what he said there in verse 12? He said, as many as received him, or we could say that believed on him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. Notice he didn't say to everybody that, that, that could memorize the Torah and, and never missed it one time. That's not what he said. He said, if you believe or if you receive Jesus, now you become a son of God. Because now you're in Christ. All right, now see, I've already, I, I can see some looks. I've, I've got some of, your, some of you are tilting on me. You know, what, 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 what are you talking about? Because here, here's, here's where this takes mind renewal. You have to get in the Word of God and see what the Word says about this. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm showing you what the Word says. Amen. Now let's look at... Um, let me see where I want to go here. When, when, we, t when we talk about grace, it's God's ability to do what we can't do in our own ability. In other words, God gives us, He gives us everything we need to accomplish and to fulfill and to do what the truth, what the Word says to do. Before grace, there was no way we could do it because, because in our own ability, it was impossible. But when Jesus came, He brought the tool, or He brought the... It's not a tool, that's the wrong word. He, he brought... He brought with him grace, and he actually, if, if you read the, up, up above that verse, it says that he was full of grace and truth. Jesus is grace. Grace is really a person. It's Jesus. Just like the Word is Jesus, grace is Jesus. Or Jesus is grace. So when Jesus came, he brought the ability, he brought God's ability 
to be put on the inside of every one of us when we became sons of God, when we became children of the Most High, when we got put in Christ, He put on the inside of you His grace, His ability to do what you couldn't do in your own ability. Now, verse 16, let's look at verse 16 again from the Amplified here, because this is an incredible verse. In verse 16 it says this, For out of His fullness, out of the fullness of Jesus, out of His abundance, we have all received. So it's not a question. You don't even have to ask for this. You've already received it. It's yours. We have all received. We all had a share and we were supplied with one grace after another. In other words, one ability after another ability. Whatever, come, whatever you face, whatever situation you face, you have the ability, you have God's ability on the inside of you to overcome it. That you did not have before you got born again, before you, before you came into a relationship with Jesus. You have one grace upon another grace. Just like the waves of the ocean. You have one wave and then another wave and then another wave and then another wave and then another wave. The waves never run out. Grace never runs out. He says that you have one grace after another, and, and you have a spiritual blessing upon a spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. So God is just heaping. He is heaping blessings on you. He is heaping favor on you. He is heaping gifts on you. The grace of God is the ability that God has put on the inside of you to do everything that God has called you to do. And to keep the law, to keep the, the truth. You know, we, now listen, we're no longer under the law from the standpoint of where we have to keep the law to be perfect. The Bible says we're not under law, we're under grace. And the scripture I read there in Romans 11 was the scripture that said that you can't mix the two. You can't, you know, Paul said another one, where was it, in Corinthians, Paul said this. He said, are you so foolish that you started in the Spirit and now you're trying to finish in the flesh? And he said, you know, in other words, what he's saying is you start, you received everything from God and now you think you're strong enough in your own ability to do it? No, it's God's ability on the inside of us. Is grace, and it's not works. We can never work enough to receive anything from God. But it's grace, it's spiritual blessing, it's favor, it's gifts. I mean, it's, it's the grace of God upon our lives so that we can live the way that God wants us to live. Now let me show you one more scripture here. Turn to Matthew. <clears throat> I won't have to back up and... And do, do some more on this here but in the next week or two. But we'll be all right. Matthew chapter 11. Now this is, a, this is one of my favorite verses from the message translation. And uh, we'll just put for Matthew eleven twenty seven up in the message. And now this scripture in the King James. Let, let's read it in the King James first real quick. Verse 28 and 29. Because we all know this, this scripture from the King James. Jesus said this, made this comment. He says, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now let's look from the message translation, starting in verse 27. And I want to show you this, because this is an incredible thing. Because remember what I told you, that Jesus had, had, uh, he had a relationship with his father like, like nobody had ever seen. I mean, he, you know, he had a connection with, with God that nobody, nobody had ever experienced before. And that's the reason Jesus would make those comments. I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. And when people would ask him, well, how, you know, teach us about this. Show us about this. Listen to Jesus' response here in, in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27. And this is from the message translation. But he says this. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, the father has given me all these things to do and to say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. Man, I mean, you know, it's one thing, it's, it's great when, when, as a father and son, when I spend time with Joshua, when I spend time with Noah, man, the, the intimacy of those times are wonderful. And that's what Jesus said. He said this, he said, he said everything you're hearing me teach, everything you're hearing me say, seeing me do, is come out of that intimate time that I've spent with my father. He said, this is a unique father-son intimacy and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I love this next statement. Listen to this. But I'm not keeping it to myself. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? He says, I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Have I got anybody willing to listen for a few more minutes? Let's see what he said here then. Verse 28. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion. Man, I mean, that describes what, 95% of us probably? You know, tired and worn out. You know, you don't see things working. You've tried, you know, you believe God and it didn't work out like you thought it did. You know, you're believing God now and, and you're just not seeing it. Or, you know, and, and you've, you know, you believe God for a loved one and they passed away or whatever the case may be. You know, that'll make you tired and worn out. Right? Jesus said this, he said, are you tired, are you worn out, are you burned out on religion? Then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You know, one of the, one of the keys to understanding God and understanding grace and, and living with this type of intimacy is getting away with God. So many people, I've seen it time and time again... They just refuse to take time to be with God. They want me. They want me. They want the pastor. They want the counselor. They want. They want somebody else to give them the answer, so so that they don't have to spend the time getting it. They want to read. They want to read a, a book and get the answers. They want to. They want to have somebody just tell them, "Here's the answer." But you know what Jesus said? He said, "What you see me doing, what you what what you're watching me and hearing me say and watching me do." It come out of an intimacy with God. He said, you want, to, you want that intimacy? You want that same thing that you're seeing? Then come. Come to me. Spend time with me. Learn, learn to enjoy that quiet time that you have with, with, your, with your Heavenly Father. Because he said, then I'll show you. He said, he said, come get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Man, that's... You know, I, I, want, I want that, don't you? Let's look at the next verse, verse 29. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
Now remember, the definition of grace that we gave you, what was the definition of grace? It was God's ability in man to do what, so that man could do what he couldn't do in his own ability. What, what Jesus is saying here is this. When grace, when grace comes into your life, when you allow grace to flow in your life, then he said this. He said, watch me do it, and you'll learn how. Notice Jesus, or Jesus didn't say, you do all the work, and, I, and I'll tell you whether you're right or not. Jesus said, come away with me, spend time with me, and watch me do it. Do you see that? It's God's ability... It's not our ability, it's not our wisdom, it's not our brain power, it's not our finances that, make, that cause things to happen. What is it? It's God's ability working on the inside of us when we allow God to do that work on the inside of us. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Now listen to this, I love this next phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythm of grace. You know, there's a rhythm to the ocean. You know, how many of y'all like to hear the waves crash? You know, you can just sit on the beach, man, and just listen to the waves crash. I don't know, it just does something to you. You know, I mean, it just, it's just good to hear the waves crash on the, on the seashore, you know. But Jesus said this. He said, he said, when you come away with me and you watch how I do it, he said, you'll learn about the unforced rhythms of grace. So see, if you're trying to force things, if you're trying to make things happen, if you're pushing, 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 and, and you, you've got to get it done, and, and you're working hard, and you're doing everything you can do, then you know what? You're forcing things. Jesus said, come to me. He said, watch how I do this. In other words, Jesus said, you know, and you might ask the question, well, Jesus, how do you do it? And Jesus said, it's, unforced, it's an unforced rhythm that comes out of intimacy with the Father. The unforced rhythm of grace, and we just watch our Father do it as we're working, as we're co-laboring with Him. We're watching how He does it. We're watching Him do these things. He says, learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And then verse 30. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, isn't that awesome? So how, how does grace work? How does grace work in our life? Here's the key to grace. W one of the keys to grace. I mean, there's, there's many, and we're, we're going to look at a couple different aspects of it in the next couple weeks. But here's one of the keys to grace that, that so many people miss. And it's this. It's the fact that it's God doing the work, not us. And the reason that so many people have a hard time with that is because it's hard to take our hands off, off stuff. Now, those of you that know me, man, you know that that's true for me. I, I have a hard time delegating stuff. I, have a hard, I want to keep my hands on everything. But you know what? That's not grace. That's hard labor. That's force. That's forcing it. That's, that's you know, me trying to do it in my own ability. When, if, if you're going to live by grace... You have to be willing to take your hands off of it and say, Father, I'm just going to watch you do this. I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to watch. I'm going to, I'm going to watch the unforced rhythms 
of grace take care of. So what does that look like? Just practical things. What does that look like? You get a bat, you get a doctor's report, you know, and you get a, uh, you know, you get a, uh, a bank statement that says they're going to foreclose your house or your car. You get, you know, a, a bad report from from your doctor or from wherever. Well, the unforced rhythms of grace just says this, Father, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick up that worry, I'm not gonna pick up that fear. I'm going to allow you to take to handle this situation. Every time I think about it, my thought goes to, Lord, I'm under grace. I, I, I am living in grace right now, Father, and I'm believing you are taking care of this situation. When fear comes, no, I don't, I'm not worrying about that. I don't, I, I'm not fearing that. Why? Well, you better fear it. Don't you know what the doctor said? No. I, I'm, listen, I'm watching my father do this work. You know, the great physician is at work on the inside of me right now. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not fearing and worrying about what the doctors say. Versus being under, being under works would be, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to, 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 I, I, I just can't do it all. And I'm fearing, I'm in, I'm, I'm worrying, I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid of this and I'm, you know, and, and everything's about you. Where grace, everything's about Him. Father, you have this. I put this in your hands. Now, that doesn't mean, now listen, that doesn't mean we sit back on the couch and kick up our feet and, you know, drink sweet tea and watch TV all the time. What that means is we listen for Him. Remember what He said? He said, He said, He said, watch how I do it and I'll show you the unforced rhythms of grace. So he may tell you, hey, now you need to go up, you need to get up and go do this. I'm showing you how to do this. Because notice Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't say, when, when, he said, when he said, you know, the words that I say, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. But notice that Jesus was still speaking the words. Jesus said this, he said, the works you see me do, Jesus was still doing the works. But he said, he said, the works that I do, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it first. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was learning the unforced rhythms of his Father. If he heard the Father say it, then he said it. If he saw the Father do it or the Father told him to do it, he did it. If not, he didn't. Listen, nobody could pressure Jesus to do anything. Right? Jesus walked through the pool of Bethesda that day and, and he healed one person. But yet, you know what? There was a multitude of people there needing to be healed. But the Father spoke to him to, to talk to one person. Well, why, why didn't he heal everybody? Well, because he didn't hear the Father say to heal everybody. He heard the Father say, speak to this one right here. And he did, and that one was healed. So see, Jesus learned how to listen. He learned how to, how to be observant, to hear what the Father was telling him to do, to say what the Father was telling him to say. He, he learned the unforced rhythms from his Father, and guess what? He told us in these, this verse from the message, he told us, now I'll share this with you line upon line if you're willing to listen. You can have this, and what Jesus was saying was this, you can have the same relationship with Father that I have. Wow. 
You see, because here's the reality. And we'll get into this more next week. Real victory. Because here's what I'm after in this. I'm wanting us to see real victory over over sin, over over addictions, over everything everything that's coming against you. You know, over over all the the physical problems, the mental problems. You can have victory over those things. But real victory. Listen, real real victory goes beyond just behavior and performance. If it was all up just to you working or you doing something, then then we would all probably be healed and and living a better life. If it was all up to just to works, because see here, because cause here here's what happens, and and this is why so many people that that uh, deal with addictions, why they fall back into them because. Because really, they don't. They don't never. They never really uh, handle the root cause. They just get to where they can walk away from it, even though they're wanting it really bad. They learn just. They learn. They have enough willpower to where they can walk away from it. But on the inside, they're dying to have it. You know what? That's not victory. That's torture. You know. Yeah, that's great. You have enough willpower to walk away from it. But victory doesn't come until you can walk away from a temptation without any desire whatsoever on the inside of you to go back to it. And see, that's what grace will do. In your own strength and in your own ability, you'll never get there. But with God's ability, working on the inside of you, you'll be able to walk away from temptation, walk away from sin, walk away from depression, walk away from... From all those other things that, and, and just, you know, the, the addictions and the, the things that, that, that trip you up all the time, you'll be able to walk away from those things full of, full of peace, full of gratification, you know, just full, just full on the inside, knowing that God has given you the victory over them. And He'll take away your desire for it. That's real victory. Real victory comes when, when even the desire's gone. Amen. And Jesus said the way to do that is to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And grace is all about God's ability working on the inside of you. In other words, it's about Him, it's not about you. It's not about your works, it's not about what you can do, but it's all about trusting Him and allowing Him to do it in you and through you. Now, yes, we are co-laborers with Him, and there's a part that we play in that. But listen, remember, you cannot mix works and grace. You can't, you know, you can't have the mentality that you can work enough to get God to do something for you. You can't have the mentality that you can give enough to get God to bless you. It don't work that way. It's either works... Or it's grace. And that's the, only, that's the only two options. It's like, you know, what they said, it's like oil and water. They don't mix. If you mix those two together, they're going to separate. And, you know, works and grace is the same way. The problem, the problem for too many of us is that we, that we turn faith and we turn grace and, and we turn all those things back over into works instead of allowing God just to do allowing the ability of God to do those things in us instead of us trying to do them. Amen? All right. 
Well, we're going to unhook right there. And we'll pick back up next week and we'll look at some more of those things. But here, here's my invitation to you this morning. And here's, here's what I want to just, you know, what I'd like for you to hear this morning. And, and, and where, where I want you to, what I want you to focus on this week. Everybody just close your eyes for just a moment. And let's just do this, just real quick. Thank you, Father. I just want you to ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, ask yourself, have I been trying to make things happen? Or am I allowing God to do it for me? And sometimes, now listen, sometimes that's a tough question to, to answer because in reality, probably all of us, to some extent, we, we're, we try to make things happen. And sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is to take our hands off things and say, God, I'm going to allow you to do this. You know, a lot of times we get to that place because we get to the place where we've tried everything and, and the only option we have left is God. But see, what I want you to do, I want you to get to that place before you've tried everything else. <laughs> I want you to get to that place first where you say, God, I, I'm not even going to try anything else. I'm just going to let you handle it. I'm going to let you heal my body. I'm not, I'm not going to try and force you into it or guilt you into it. Lord, you're the great physician. You, you provided healing. So, Lord, right now, just the grace of God is just going to flow through my body and healing is going to come. The addictions, Lord, the addictions are going to be broken right now just as your grace is flowing through me. Lord, I'm under grace right now. I'm living in grace. And because of that, Lord, you are doing things in me that, I can't, that I, I've tried to do and I can't do them. That addiction is being broken by your grace right now, Lord. Those fears are being broken right now by grace. When you just simply say, Lord, I just, I'm, I'm under grace. I'm living in grace, and I just receive that right now. Now, Pastor, it can't be that easy. Well, it is. Because it's His ability. It's what Jesus did on the cross. And we're not trying to get God to do something for us. We're just receiving what's already been done. So just right now, just whatever it is you need today, whatever it is that, that you came in here heavy, that was heavy upon you, just right now, just, just in your own words, just tell the Lord that. Say, Lord, I'm going to stop trying, and I'm just going to turn it over to you, and your grace is taking care of it right now. Your ability working in me and through me, Father. It's not my works. It's not my, it's, it's not my wisdom. It's not anything I can do, but it's... It's totally everything that you're doing right now, Father. And I just receive it. And just like by me receiving you, I became I become a became a son of God, like it said there in first John one or John one. Even right now, Lord, I just receive healing in my body. I receive freedom from those addictions. I receive freedom from those fears. I receive freedom, Father, from from anxiety from worry I'm just going to spend time with you this morning Father and allowing you to do those things that I can't do thank you for that Lord so Father right now we just receive that 
whatever it is throughout this building today, Father, throughout these, these people's hearts, Father, I just pray that your grace, your ability working on the inside of each one of us, doing what we cannot do, Father, your grace is healing and delivering and setting free right now. And we receive it, Father. Grace upon grace, wave upon wave, favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. Father, your goodness, your love flowing in our lives right now. We receive that, Father. Thank you, Lord. It's done. I'm not going to try to make it happen. I'm not going to try to receive it. Lord, I believe. And because I believe in you, then, Father, it's done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I believe, listen, and you might say, Pastor, is it that easy? I believe it is that easy. Because you know what? We're not trying to do it. You know, I went, I went to the golf, the uh, Wells Fargo Championship uh, Friday and just watched those professionals play golf. Now, I get out there and I swing that club and, man, I mean, I, you know, it's work for me. But they, watching them pros do it, it doesn't even look like it's work. I mean, they just swing and they hit that ball and it goes where they want to go. And you know what? That's the way it is with God. When we do it, the ball goes in the woods, it goes in the lake, it goes all kinds of places. But when God does it, that ball goes exactly where it needs to go. And it looks easy. Why? Because He's doing it. I'm not doing the work. He's doing it. Amen? It's His ability, not my ability. So this morning, listen, I, I just I pray as you go this week, I pray that you just see God's ability in your life, doing things for you that you, that, that, that you can't do in your own ability, and just enjoying the unforced rhythms of grace. Amen? And, then, and, just, and, just, know, and, and just know that it's all about Him. Tonight at 6, we'll, be, we'll, we'll have prayer again tonight, so hope you can come out if you want to come out and join us. And, uh, and then uh, Wednesday night at 7. So I pray you guys have a blessed week. And next week is Mother's Day, so we've got a special gift for all the moms. So bring your mom and, and come and enjoy Mother's Day with us. We love you guys. So God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you guys.